there's a line between like excess or indulgence and pleasure, you know, and I think we need the joy and the pleasure in our lives um, in order to be able to do the other important stuff and the heavier stuff that also is rewarding. souls you're listening to another episode of never wear boring socks i'm maria ramsey and i am anna barnard and we are very excited because this is the special last episode of season two very exciting yeah so in the new year we'll be coming out with more exciting things and we're going to take a little bit of a break before then but we're excited this has kind of been a meandery season with some busy times in our lives just but slightly yeah but some we're slight excited gaps between episodes it, yeah no no big deal it's fine <laughs> um but we're excited to be kind of finding a resolution to all of the crazy long season two things we've been doing and entering into season three with kind of a fresh perspective Exactly. Yeah. So today, to kind of round this out, we're going to talk about humor and not taking things too seriously, because I think we all need a reminder of that sometimes, especially in kind of times of change and, you know, Mm -hmm. New Year's coming and everyone's probably trying to figure out resolutions and things like that, which is good. But it's also important to kind of go easy on ourselves, too. So, right. Yeah. One thing that, you know, we don't take too seriously is our socks. Oh, oh. Oh. you're so right, Anna. We do wear some goofy socks sometimes. Yes. So, Maria, please share what goofy socks you're wearing today. Well, I have to say my socks are not really that goofy. Exactly. They might appear serious. But they're not boring because they keep falling off. It's keeping my life exciting. (laughs) This is new. This is a new form of non-boring sock. Non-boring. It definitely is pretty new. They're gray ankle socks. So in terms of their appearance, they're not super exciting. But it is really... It's keeping me on my toes. How do they no pun intended? <laughs> How do they fall off? Are they... The elastic is worn out. Okay. I should probably get rid of them. Are they like falling off in your shoes or just like walking around just in your like socks? All the time. Okay. No matter what I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's time for a new pair, but this is the socks that I grabbed this morning. So this is where we're at. Very right nice. Now. Very nice. What socks are you wearing, Anna? Um I have some, mine are kind of like little, little sort of ankle socks, but they're like a little higher than ankle socks. They're kind of a weird height, honestly. They're like not as tall as crew socks. I don't know, kind of wacky. I know what you're talking about. I have that, some of those height. Yeah. And they have little plants on them and this little being that looks kind of humanoid-esque and (laughs) 
He says, plants get me. So. I like those socks. Yeah, I'm not really sure why I picked them. Well, we are recording this episode slightly ahead of the end of the year, and I'm in Wyoming right now. And I packed these socks on kind of a whim. So part of it was out of necessity. But also, in Wyoming, there's lots of different plants and things than I'm used to Mm. living in Minnesota. So I feel like I'm more aware of the plantiness of my surroundings. So that's, that's why I picked so them. That's so interesting, because I feel like one particular connection that I have to Wyoming, where our grandparents have a vacation home, is that I feel like a lot of plant smells remind me of Wyoming. Mm, yeah. And I, I'm not, it's like not even one specific plant. It's a whole bunch of different plants. I smell it and I'm like, hmm, Wyoming. Well, <laughs> it's, it's very fragrant here. It is really fragrant yeah. there. And it's it's definitely a very plant fragrance. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So yeah. Cool plants. I like yeah. plants. Yeah, I feel like these are kind of relevant to my life right now. So why are we talking about humor and silliness and not taking things too seriously today? This is an excellent question that I just asked myself and you. <laughs> I'm already feeling goofy. So my thoughts on this are that things can get serious in the realms of both creativity and doing creative work and artwork and also in health and wellness and that whole world. Plus, the world in general has a lot of serious and scary and sad things going on, as we're all very aware. And I think that it's important to balance that in all those areas and not let ourselves get dragged down into the muck all the time. I completely agree, yeah. And I'm definitely one to easily get dragged down um, mm. I think by, you know, external stuff, but also just I easily get in my own head about things, you know, and take things very seriously when I should be, you know, relaxing a little bit. So I this right. is a good reminder for me, definitely. And something that's made me think about this topic a little bit recently was um, my dad and I have been having conversations about... Um, the role of the press right now and I feel like a lot of things we see in the news is very negative whereas like all of the good things don't actually get highlighted so it kind of skews this negativity bias almost that's so true and so I mean that's an obvious case of where things are getting taken not necessarily taken too seriously but the things that we don't take seriously or should maybe be a little more lighthearted about are not giving getting any attention i guess um Mm -hmm. so i feel like not only is it about 
like taking things a little less seriously but it's also just like making space and seeking out the things that are already like very joyful and good and positive that we just like aren't coming into contact with like we have to be more intentional about seeking those things out because the world doesn't want to present us with them very in a very uh you know easily accessible way all the time yeah I'm glad that you brought that up. And that's something that I've thought about a lot, too. And as someone who has a new project or business idea, like every week or so, that usually gets dropped in favor of the next exciting one, one of my project ideas that I got really excited about for a while was sort of a like a good news source, right. basically. Not like to ignore all the bad news that's happening, but like you said, to shine a light on the good things that are happening, and right. especially on people creating solutions. That's something we also talked about in our permaculture episode and like why that resonates with me so much is that it's really about creating solutions and just sharing solutions and utilizing solutions that we already have as opposed to focusing on the problem and the things that are negative. Right. Yeah. Because there is a lot of good stuff happening in the world, too. Totally. And sometimes it's not even like, oh, there's all these bad things happening and we're forgetting about these other things. But sometimes it's to the extent where in a given like situation or circumstance where there are good things to be derived from that people only focus on the negative things and ignore the Mm -hmm. good things you know and then we just like don't really realize that there's good sides you know i think that happens a lot in like whether it be like statistics or research or Mm -hmm. things like that or just you know, just looking at things with a different perspective. Um, I think this is one side of the coin of, you know, being a little easier on ourselves and introducing more humor and joy into our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's almost like a countercultural thing to do right now. I agree. (laughs) I, yeah, I definitely agree. And this brings me to something that I wanted to talk about since we talk a lot about creativity and art On Never Wear Boring Socks, something that I wanted to talk about was the idea of humor and joy in art and in creative work. And I feel like there's this tendency just in general to consider serious works sort of a higher quality art Mm, than sillier works. Like just for example, looking at like when you see movie awards, what is that? Oscars? Yep. (laughs) Obviously, I don't follow these too closely, (laughs) but I have gleaned from somewhat paying attention that the movies that win for like best picture are almost always really serious movies about serious topics. It's almost never comedies or musicals that are winning that overall category. And I just think that really... And it's not because there aren't good comedies coming out. Right. But I think that as a culture, we place more artistic value on seriousness. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, most definitely. I, when I think of this, (laughs) I think of, um, uh, literature and especially like capital L literature. Right. (laughs) Um, because, um, that is viewed as more legitimate art, I think. Um, 
And I don't know, that's such a wishy-washy term to me. You know, you can search genres on websites or whatever, and or if you're, you know, on Barnes & Noble website or something, and you're searching for a book to read, and one category is literature, as if, like, some pieces of work oh, aren't stuff excluded is not from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But another thing to point out with that is, you know, I think one of the main genres that gets kind of a bad rap or is ridiculed as kind of like a less than art is the romance novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the romance novel is one of the highest grossing genres that the publishing industry makes money from because mm-hmm. people buy them and want to read right. them, you know? Right. Um, and so... Which says something. Right. I mean, it's like this underground culture of women who read romance novels. And it's... Um, I mean, I think people view them as silly, but in reality they are really hopeful, you know, like they're, Mm -hmm. they're lighthearted in a way that you get to, like, you know, there's going to be a happy ending. That's like part of the genre, you know, you like have to write that in. Um, And there's something I think really intentional about choosing to read a romance novel that you know is going to have a happy ending. You know, I think people who decide to read romance novels want that in their lives and are willing to do what they need to do to get that in their lives, you know? And Mm -hmm. regarding that as, like, a lesser art is just silly. Right. And, like, a lot of romance novels probably could follow and probably do follow a very kind of stereotypical, boring structure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I think also, like, having a structure where you are expected to have a happy ending and you are expected to have these other certain things, if you are approaching that genre with creativity right, and with fresh eyes and skill, those sort of boundaries around your creativity can help you create something really unique and interesting within that genre. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's so many new romance novels coming out all the time, like, they can't all be the same thing, or people wouldn't read them. You know, you you right. constantly have to innovate within the the confines that you're working within, which, yeah, I think we talk about, like, originality a lot in terms of creativity, but there's also something to be said for taking something, you know, some kind of, like, baseline structure that you have to work with or choose to work with, and then mm-hmm. kind of introducing some degree of originality within that. Yeah. This is also really making me think, both with what we just said about movies and now we're talking about romance novels, about how the things that are viewed as higher quality are the... It's all about, like, the, like, critics who are deciding Mm. that and, like, the maybe the academics and, like, the certain class of people with a certain status who's deciding that and not necessarily like what the majority of people actually want. Right. It's not like people vote on who wins the Oscars. Right. (laughs) Right. Which is like, it's already built in to be biased how we come up with kind of what is considered a classic or what's considered high quality. Mm -hmm. Totally. And it's not representative of what like general people like right which i think points to again this idea that our a lot of what we do and regard is pretty strongly defined by societal and cultural you know 
opinions and mm-hmm. what people are presenting. I, I mean, it's it's what's most visible to us. And the thing that's most visible to us is like this seriousness and this um, almost like existentialism sometimes. Um, yeah. And I think it's not necessarily difficult to introduce these things like humor and joy into our lives. Um, but the the difficult part about it is being intentional about it and making sure you're doing it when the world is telling you otherwise, you know, yeah. and when you're getting presented kind of a different picture. Right. I mean, when, when you watch the Oscars and they tell you that this is the best picture, you know, it's hard to not go into that, like watching that movie thinking, well, this is like the highest quality art and maybe right, and I'm sure right. it's a really great movie, you know, but like that doesn't mean that you can't have your own preferences and tastes and there aren't these really obscure movies that are just as good and maybe are not conventional conventionally um, you know, good by critic standards, but might be by your own standards. Um and maybe that standards of what joy it brings you rather than, you know, the the kind of high-end production value or whatever. There's also, I think, a lot of judgment around these things, too. Mm, like yeah. Because this certain high-status group of people has deemed certain works to be higher quality than others, there's, like, people judge themselves and are, like, embarrassed about themselves. I know, like, definitely going back to the idea of romance novels, there's definitely... I know there's sort of like some shame and embarrassment around oh, yeah. reading those because they're considered not high quality. But again, it's like this social structure that's creating that shame around it. Yeah. And I think on a broader sense, there's almost sometimes we feel like we should feel ashamed for trying to seek out joy and like yeah. just things that bring us pleasure. Um, yeah. So much of, you know, conventional standards of like lives well lived, lived or you know productive lives are, again defined by things like productivity. Um, you know, how serious you, how seriously you take things and how well you do your job and and whatever. And I think there's a lot of value in those things, um, but there's something to be said for, you know, consciously deciding to just do things that bring you pleasure. And I think sometimes there's mm-hmm. almost an association of guilt around those things that we've been definitely instilled in to have. Um, and I think there's, you know, there's a line between like excess or indulgence and pleasure, you know, and I think we need the joy and the pleasure in our lives. Um, in order to be able to do the other important stuff and the heavier stuff that also is rewarding. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Our, yeah, our society in general is just structured to value, like you said, hard work and productivity and getting things done and squashing down your emotions over feeling pleasure and feeling joy and expressing your joy and pleasure. And that's just like not that's a function of our particular society that we're living in. Right. I don't think that has inherently less value. I think like you were saying, I don't think that you need to go to excess and only experiencing pleasure and joy, but you need both of those things 
to have a healthy functioning world and society. And I think right now we're very much on the heavy, serious, overworking side, and we really need more of that joy and humor and laughter and pleasure to balance that out. Yeah. And I think something that's interesting about this, too, is I feel like... um like stand-up comedy has become really popular recently, mm, especially yeah. on on like Netflix and Amazon Prime and yeah. things like that. Um, whether it's shows about comedy, you know, like like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon is the premise is about a woman who decides to become a stand-up comic, or there's Netflix specials that are just actual stand-up comics, you know, doing their their. Uh, their comedy special. Um, Mm -hmm. And those have been really popular. And I think that's indicative of the fact that people are craving that, that element of humor in their lives. But I think what's also interesting about it is that that's kind of like the one place where I feel like we can get humor right now is like, it has to be like categorized as comedy, you know, like, so like if you're gonna find humor in your it's like life, where it's, it's like, acceptable. Like, yeah, it's like I go to the stand-up comedians, and like the stand-up comedians are great. Oh my god, like I love them; they're mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, but it's interesting that it's like there's this little category that we can dip into if we really need to, and then everything else is serious, you know? Yeah, um, that's so true. And I think part of it is just an overall attitude or. Uh, atmosphere that if we choose to introduce more humor into our lives um, amongst our friends and our family members and even in our workplaces, um, then that'll just kind of start to change the overall atmosphere, I think. But it's easier said than done. Yeah. Well, and what that's also making me think of is how much kind of serious topics comedians explore Mm. in their comedy often yeah like we like you said we kind of box it into this very specific category of humor but I think it's really saying something about laughter and humor and comedy that that is a place where we can actually really talk about serious stuff totally and I think that comedy can kind of break down some of those walls and barriers that often prevent us from having conversations about really difficult stuff. And there are a lot of comedians who can comment on social issues while making jokes. And I think Mm. they are going to reach people who aren't otherwise maybe going to want to have conversations about those things. Totally. I think they make those issues a lot more approachable and also a lot more nuanced, you know, and especially people coming from certain, you know, comedians coming from certain identity backgrounds and speaking about their personal experiences and things like that can really um, provide a, like a new perspective on those issues in a way that allows people to enter that conversation um, more easily, I think. Yeah, I that's mm-hmm. a really good point. I didn't think about that, but it's totally true. And also just the expectation that things are not expected to be heavy and serious it just like opens the door to I think it takes away some of the judgment around mm. all those things and like policing every opinion that we might have. Yeah. And opens up a more honest dialogue in a way. Yeah. Well, I think 
the thing about comedy is that like political correctness kind of goes by the wayside when you're doing mm-hmm. something like a comedy special to a certain extent. And I think political correctness has a lot of valuable things about it. Like there are reasons why we need to be politically correct, but when it mm-hmm. is used as a tool just to like shut down people's opinions, then right. it becomes problematic. And so right. um I agree that comedy is one of those like one of those very few places where you don't necessarily have to be politically correct and you can present your opinions in a way that you might not be judged quite as strongly. And if you do present them in a way that people are maybe shocked or confused by, it's easier to maybe kind of start a conversation from that because you know you're coming from a place of of lightheartedness and openness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And, I mean, going back to the idea of art and creativity, I think that for comedians, that is their, their art and their creative output. And I think like for us as artists, if we try to make our art so serious and like get really serious about our art, this is sort of moving on to a new topic, but the, it like makes the stakes feel a lot higher Mm -hmm. if things feel like they need to be really serious and fit into this serious category, which can be sort of a dangerous place as a creative person, I think. Yeah. This is making me think of, um, I've talked about this a lot this past season because I finished um, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, Mm -hmm. you know, this past year. And one of the things she says, (laughs) which really spoke to me, but really also I... I was like, oh, yikes, I'm guilty of this, you know, is <laughs> she was like, please don't try to help people with your art, which which yeah. um, on one hand seems a little counterintuitive. And I think I look at my art as a way, like as an outlet um, and a method for connecting with people in mm-hmm. regards to serious issues, um, which I think is, you know, like a noble goal. But she says... You know, like, if you try to help people with your art, if that's your goal, like, it's going to be obvious and it's going to be preachy. Um, Yeah. And the one goal you should have as a creator is to create things that you are curious about and enjoy and do it because you like doing it and you need to do it. Um, Because that's when it's really going to shine through um, your your authenticity, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's there's an extent there that it's like, it's not about not taking yourself seriously, but it also kind of is, you know? I mean, you want to take yourself seriously in the fact that you're going to give yourself the time and attention you need to to pursue right. your art, but you're not going to beat yourself up about whether your art is quote-unquote good. You know, you're just going to mm-hmm. keep doing it because that's what you like to do. And when you actually let that kind of baggage go, that's when you actually start creating things that are more true to what you want to create, which I think... I think that's a pretty appealing perspective, at least to me. Um, and it's something that I really struggle with. I, I think I take my art way too seriously. And that that is a barrier to me actually just starting to create in general. Right. That definitely happens. And I also think, like what you're saying about trying to help people with your art, I do think when you create from a place of genuine interest and joy and curiosity that's when it really resonates with people and like even if there's not a really obvious message in your art 
like there could be, even if you're creating it from that place. But even if there's not, I think it really draws people in right? and they can kind of feel what went into that work and they're going to want to connect with you as a person. And that's when you have more, I think, power to connect with people and influence people and help people. Totally. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, a lot of current art is pretty political, which I think mm-hmm. is really exciting and probably necessary at this point in time, you know? Right. Um, but also I think sometimes art that avoids being especially political is the kind of art that is a little more lighthearted and has some elements of humor and things like that. And those elements of humor is what really unites, I think, us as humans. Yeah, and I agree. um, You know, we all want to experience joy and we all like to laugh. And I think um, as much as, you know, when we try to really reach people and even educate people with our art about political issues and things like that, it's going to be alienating to some people, you know, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think there's something interesting about creating from a place of lightness and the fact that that is something I think very universal in a way. Um, and if you're not creating political art, that doesn't mean it's less worthy, you know? Right. Um, Which is again, kind of on the lines that we've talked about. And again, I also don't want to say that political art, you know, isn't important because it totally is. And I think some political art is super amazing and beautiful and is a really interesting way of looking at political issues. Um, But it's also, I think it's important to try, even if it's just like as an exercise for your own creativity to try to create from a place of lightness um, and Mm -hmm. not taking yourself too seriously. um, Because I think that actually does really help people, you know, if that's your goal in creating. Yeah. And my theory is that the political art that really resonates with people, that really works, is because the people creating it, that's authentically really what they want to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what wants to come through th- through their art. And I think that's amazing. But I think if you force it and that doesn't actually bring you joy to create that, not that it's necessarily joyful to think about issues that you might want to create art about, but if that doesn't feel like energizing and exciting to work on, then maybe your form of art and involvement is going to look different. Right. Yeah. Than that. And maybe I think there's different levels of this too. I think maybe it's a, if you really are interested in approaching a political issue, you're looking at it through maybe a new perspective. You know, this is making me think of, Mm -hmm. you know, one of my favorite book series is Harry Potter, which is incredibly political, but it's about like a boy wizard. It starts off pretty, pretty light, even though there's this underlying, you know, political message behind it. I mean, you could, a lot of people have compared, um, like the dark wizards as, you know, kind of synonymous with like Nazi Germany. And that's like, the utmost political, you know? Yeah. And so, so like, I mean, but if you, if you, you know, approach political topics through maybe a lighter lens or a new lens that can also be really effective too. Um, which I think speaks to this idea that 
there isn't only one way to introduce like lightness or humor into our lives. I mean, you can blend this seriousness and this lightness in a way that is a good balance. And I think you just have to figure out how to do it. That's going to be best for you. Um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's easy, but I think it's totally possible. Yeah. And something else that this is making me think of, too, is I think the art that I find the most moving is art that ex- really expresses and dives into a whole range of emotions, like comedy that also makes me think and like maybe mm. has some elements of sadness or anger or more seriousness, but it like when it, something can really explore all those different parts of the emotional landscape, I find that really moving and powerful mm. as opposed to just something that's like totally depressing. Yeah. It's moving, but in a different, in a way that just like brings me down. Right. If it's as like opposed to a way that like I feel connected to humanity and my emotions and something greater than myself yeah no if it's just like all depressing as much as that can be moving it can also just be like mentally exhausting to interact with that kind of art you know right so it's good to have a balance you know if if you're gonna write something heavy or create something heavy you know i think adding in elements of lightness can make it really a, a lot more approachable to people and easily more easily digestible um yeah. But, you know, that's just my opinion, obviously. Um, but it, this is making me, it's this is really, you know, interesting topic as to, and not that I think we want to put any normative standards on how, like, this is how you should or should not create art. You know, I, I mean, that's not what we're interested in, but um, it's more about, you know, if you're, if you're interested in connecting with people a certain way, maybe the way that you thought was going to be the best way to do that. Maybe there's another way to do it too. That's just as effective, Mm -hmm. but maybe doesn't subscribe to the kind of heaviness that society seems to value so much. Right. Very true. Shall we talk a little bit about how this is all related to our health and wellness also? Yes, please. Since this is never wear boring socks, a podcast (laughs) to nourish our art and ourselves. Do you yes. like that I just quoted our website? <laughs> that wasn't a direct quote, but that's pretty, on the home page. Close. Yeah. So, anyways, so how does this relate, Maria, to our health and wellness? Well, we've talked a lot about the mind-body connection. Every time we kind of talk about health and wellness, that seems to come up, and I think most of us can probably agree that these heavy, difficult emotions and stress and sadness, if we get stuck in them, can make us not feel great. And like, maybe you don't notice that impacting you physically, but I think it does, especially stress, we're definitely aware of. And laughter and joy can definitely be a way to ease that tension. Yeah, I mean, evidence of that is things like laughter yoga and laughter therapy. Right. You know, that can, right. that's been shown to be really helpful for people. Um, but yeah, whether you're kind of, um, you know, more heavy moods are 
making you feel not well, either mentally, emotionally, or physically, which I think most of the time it kind of plays into all three of those realms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, yeah, I think it just totally speaks to the fact that joy isn't something we should feel guilty about. It's something we need to be well. Yeah. And I think this is going back to the art and creativity conversation. That's one of the reasons that I tend to consume more media that is classified as comedy or something lighter because it makes me like feel better in my body. Mm. And like, you know, when you hang out with friends and you laugh really, really hard and then you just like feel really good afterwards and your body feels good and your mind feels good. And it's not something that we all do on a daily basis or regular basis. So I think sometimes we forget how much of a difference that makes but I really think it does. Oh, totally. I mean, there's been so many studies done that are like, right. each time I you laugh adds up this many but... years to your life or, right. <laughs> or whatever, which like, who knows if that's true, but I think it's like, it's a good general thing to remember, you know, if you're trying to improve your health, like that's one really easy thing to do. Can't hurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember hearing that statistic. When I, when I was younger, I think I heard something about laughter can add up to 14 years to your life. And I decided when I was very young that I'm going to live to be 102. That just like that number popped into my head. And I was like, that sounds good. I'm going to live to be 102. So then when I heard that, I was like, oh, now I can be 116. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hilarious. if I laugh enough, oh I might God. make it to 116. Yeah. Well, that would be amazing. I hope, I hope you be. make it to 116. That would be pretty cool. And if I do, I hope I'm laughing a lot of the time, because otherwise, I don't want to be alive that long if I'm not having fun. Right, right. (laughs) If it's not fun, I think I'll be done before that. (laughs) But anyways, slightly morbid. (laughs) We we digress. (laughs) Yes. I, I also think that expressing all of our emotions is really important to our health. I think when we repress our emotions that's not good for us I know there's a lot of people who subscribe to this idea that our emotions if we don't really express them fully can sort of get lodged in our body and express themselves as physical ailments Mm, yeah and I in my experience that feels accurate just based on my like what I've experienced and what I felt and I think in general we can agree that holding on to our emotions and not expressing them doesn't feel good in general. And I think we think about that a lot in terms of negative emotions. Like you need to like express your anger in a healthy way. You need to grieve after a loss or something, which are very important, but I think you also need to express joy. And I think we ignore that one. Totally. Yeah. I mean, no, I think I think I and a lot of other people, I don't think I'm alone in this, am kind of out of practice with like how best to express my joy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I overanalyze it so much that I'm like, am I, am I really feeling joy right now? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, is this too good to be true? Um, yeah. And I think... You know, sometimes, as much as it seems simple, you know, just to, like, 
feel joy when you feel joy. I, I think you're right that sometimes I think we've been taught to maybe be serious instead and that we need to get that joy out in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the world needs our joy as much as we need it. <laughs> it does. I mean, think about like how many how many times during your day do you laugh uncontrollably? Right. And like feel giddy. And are there certain environments where that does not feel appropriate? Mm-hmm. Usually there are a lot of environments in our lives that don't feel appropriate for that. And like it's true that that doesn't make sense at all environments. But I think that we sort of take that too far sometimes. Mm. And maybe, I don't know, my belief about this is I think that a lot of us have sort of learned from experience, maybe when we were little or from our family or people around us, that sort of like being really uncontrollably joyful in that way is sort of unsafe. And I think we like sort of put these barriers up around us and around our joy in order to protect ourselves. Cause I think it's also, it's like really vulnerable to express your emotions to oh, that yeah. extent, even if it's really happy, joyful emotions. And that's really scary to a lot of us. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes too, there are times when we just have a hard time even, like, allowing ourselves to feel joy, Mm -hmm. you know? It'll be like, wow, there's a lot of things going well in my life right now, and I feel relaxed, or I'm on vacation, and that feels good, but it's, like, it's hard to feel joy sometimes, and it's sometimes hard to know why. And again, I think that's one of those things where maybe we're just out of practice with it, and maybe... Mm-hmm. With the expectation of being serious a lot of the time, it's hard for us to fully feel that. So I think just like do making sure you're doing things regularly that make you feel joy and just laughing regularly and doing those things can get us more in the habit of, you know, fully experiencing joy when we have a reason to do so. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think we are out of practice. I think a lot of us growing up like we're not really necessarily taught to value that Mm -hmm. part of ourselves and like especially in school that's not something that's encouraged right (laughs) for you to be really goofy and silly and have a lot of fun you're supposed to be really serious and you're supposed to work hard and focus and that's really what's praised and that's true in a lot of areas besides school like anything sort of productive that you're trying to do and anything like you're when you're out in the world and with other people you're sort of expected to be composed Right. So I think that sort of conditions us to hold back our joy to some extent. Totally. And I mean, it's interesting, too, because I feel like as much as there are expectations for us to be, you know, serious and thoughtful and productive, I'm often the most drawn to people in a room who feel who seem like carefree and yeah exactly yeah and so it feels good yeah right and i think that also speaks to the fact that being joyful doesn't just help ourselves be well but it invites others to share in that as well you know and it's pretty contagious yeah exactly that's something i was thinking about too is when we're feeling really joyful it helps uplift other people Mm -hmm. And obviously that's different than like if somebody is going through a hard time, just like 
telling them to be happy or like being like, let's watch a happy movie to distract you. That's very different. Like ignoring negative emotions and not respecting people's difficult emotions. Mm -hmm. But in a situation where it is definitely acceptable to feel joy, like maybe not comfortable or normal, but it's a good time to do it. Otherwise, I think it's important to allow ourselves to express those things and experience them and let other people share them with us. Yeah, totally. Anything else? Something else that I thought about that we've also talked about some on the podcast is just the idea of getting too dogmatic about Mm. health and wellness. And I think that has, that's really about getting too serious about it and like thinking that I must do things a certain way or else my health is going to go down the toilet and everything's going to be terrible because there's only one way to do things. That's a very black and white thinking. And it's just not helpful. I think that often creates more stress. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that as much as, you know, if you follow certain health, I don't know, quote unquote rules or regimens, um, and live a typically healthy lifestyle, um, sometimes the things that are the best indicators of health are not initially like what you're eating or how much you're exercising, but you know, like the community you're living in and Mm -hmm. the social, um, relationships that you have which are essentially markers of happiness and joy yeah so a lot to do with joy yeah and so i agree that obviously it's important to do what you need to do to feel healthy um but a lot of the time you'll get way more out of those things when you also make sure you're nourishing your sense of joy Mm Hmm. yeah and just speaking from my own experience i've talked about this a bit in the past, but I was kind of orthorexic for a while, mm-hmm. which is basically like being too obsessed with health and wellness to the point of it actually being detrimental. So right. like really focusing really carefully about what I was putting into my body in order to make myself healthy. But that meant that I I was missing out on a lot of joy, a lot of joy in like social occasions that were centered around food and just joy in my body because I was actually making myself not healthy that way. And I haven't solved all of my health issues now, but I will say that I don't feel any less healthy now than I did when I was being really dogmatic about what I was eating and what I was doing. Right. Totally. And I feel mentally much better. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is a huge part of it. You know, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing that I wanted to mention is just I feel like to get very existential for a moment, I invite our listeners to ask yourselves what you believe is the purpose of life. Why are we here on this planet in this lifetime? Is it to be serious all the time or is it to learn and explore and enjoy ourselves and connect with other people and the planet. I don't know. 
I think that's a personal question that you have to answer. But my personal belief is more the latter. Not that we're supposed to be all serious all the time. So I totally agree. Yeah. It's worth thinking about. Right. I think, and I think that question itself can invite you to get really serious about things. Right. (laughs) But it's also an opportunity to remember why it's important to invite the joy and the humor into your life. But also life is just ridiculous in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Like if you think about it, everything is goofy and weird and nothing really makes any sense. True. Which I find a lot of freedom. Right. Right. You can choose how to approach that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think viewing it as exciting rather than scary is a good way to go about it. It's an adventure. None of us knows what we're doing. We're figuring it out as we go along. We're making lots of mistakes. Might as well have we some might as fun. Well laugh at ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and have fun, exactly. <laughs> so this week creative souls we would like you to do something that makes you laugh really hard and tell us what it is because we're always looking for more ways to have fun and laugh yes so please share with us on social media or email us at neverwearboringsocks at gmail.com whatever let us know what makes you laugh Sounds good. Do you have a quote for us today, Anna? I do, yeah. I have a quote from the marvelous Maya Angelou, um, who I love her. She's so amazing. Mm -hmm. And she says, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor and some style, Um, which I think kind of speaks to what we've been talking about, you know. Um, it's not, you know, life isn't just about like getting by and doing things that are supposedly, you know, productive or worthwhile, but it's about, you know, really enjoying it and investing in it and being passionate about it and caring about other people and having fun and laughing. And I think her, her quote kind of sums all that up. I love that. That's such a good one. I want to put that on my wall. (laughs) To remind myself. I also like that she includes style. I too. know, right, right. Because <laughs> we've talked about that on the podcast too, and like how that seems frivolous. And I don't think that necessarily means just like fashion style, right. but like just like the style in which you do things. Oh, yeah. Like how do you want to be in the world? Totally. Yeah. I like that a lot. Thank you so much for listening this week, Creative Souls. And if you're enjoying Never Wear Boring Socks, we'd be so happy if you left a rating and review. This is especially a good time to do so while we are ending our season and taking a break. And exactly. you can, you know, listen back to all of our episodes and really give us a, a five-star rating, preferably. That would be <laughs> lovely. Um, and that really helps us reach more people. And so does hitting the subscribe button. So please... Let us know how you are enjoying the podcast. And the subscribe button, like Anna said, is also super useful right now as we're ending the season because then you'll be the first to know Mm. when we start back up again with season three. Exactly. Thank you also to Ben Ramsey, the cheese beast, for his audio editing and to Ben and Martha Barnard for their help with our music. 
And until next time, until season three, never、Ooh. wear boring socks.